You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. It's been an international weekend, so given it's October, I thought we'd just celebrate the fact that Scotland are going to Germany. And in celebration of that, the podcast is still here, more bitter than a, a bowl of sauerkraut. I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined by someone who loves a spicy sausage, Mark Donaldson. Yesterday, it wasn't looking promising. It was looking like we'd have to let it be. But today, a WhatsApp message from McGowan suggested he'd be able to join us on the podcast tonight. The Fab Four come together again. Then a message a short time ago. Here comes the son it was not. More like here comes the daughter as poor young Millie has picked up a sickness bug. Don't let me down, McGowan seems a bit unfair, especially with him promising to join us later at the end of a long and winding road of a start from me. <laughs> if you get away with it with Eminem last week, then I'm chucking some Beatles song titles in to begin yeah, with. Yeah, so we've gone gone from German to, to Beatles. What? Well, why not? Yeah, just... Yeah. Let's mix it up a bit of variety. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was all ready to to introduce Ryan McGowan and say that you know BMW makes more than two million cars every year, but they probably still can't clock the sort of miles of our very own Ryan McGowan. But he's not here for me he to use be. that. So, um, but he, he he has promised he'll be with us shortly. Second half sub, which I think he joked um, about saying that it's still more than he normally gets <laughs> these days. So. <laughs> Hopefully that uh, becomes a reality because then he can discuss the Celtic game coming up. But I, I've not even introduced our our next person, who is now an important part of our man shaft, um, Scott McIntosh. <laughs> man shaft. <laughs> I was just about to say I'm so happy I didn't get the spicy sausage introduction. But oh, no, oh, man shaft. Oh, man shaft, eh? Wow. Uh, yeah. How are you, Scott? Yeah, I'm very well. Uh, thanks again for having me on, guys. <laughs> there's there's going to come a week. You're, you're, you're not going to. There's going to come a week. You're not going to say thanks for having me on. You're like, okay, because <laughs> you're so polite. You say it every single week, and it's lovely. Well, I've, I've said it after the man shafting. I don't know if there is ever going to be a time where I won't say it because if there was ever going to be a time where I wouldn't, it would probably be tonight. <laughs> well, we're delighted that you are with us for this week's podcast. As I mentioned, no. 
uh, Hearts game over the weekend as it was international week of course we are going to have a little bit of an international theme we're going to talk about a Scotland 11 that we could put together of Hearts players in recent years if we were going to send a Hearts 11 to the Euros uh, we will of course look ahead to the Celtic game and hopefully Mr McGowan will be able to join us for that part of the show and obviously anything else that comes up um, before we crack on I just thought it'd be good to mention Great to see that Craig Gordon managed 45 minutes in a closed-door friendly game against Spartans at Tynecastle during the international break. So that's nine and a half months after his double leg break against Dundee United. Uh, certainly uh, terrific to see. We saw the Hearts Twitter feed posted some clips from that. And I'm sure he'll be absolutely delighted as well, Mark, that he's, he's back in action, albeit behind closed doors. And it's just one step closer, isn't it, to to being back in front of the fans as well at Tynecastle? Yeah, the Hearts Twitter account posted um, a clip of him in training. I think it was the day before he was back in action and um, he saved it at the second attempt. And I said, well, <laughs> won't be too long, hopefully, before that's that's clutched and it's not spilled. Um, kind of half joking. So then he sends me one the following night of him saying, what about this distribution? It was a bit better, wasn't it? And that was him throwing the ball out um, in the Spartans game. And this was like, this is what, so it would have been 9pm my time, uh, 8.30. He was playing that night and the adrenaline meant he couldn't sleep. Um, he was up, he was buzzing. And he just, you heard him, it was it was a great interview, that, a nice little piece that the Hearts website did. Um, he was just buzzing to be back. Now, what comes next is when he is back in contention um, for a place in the first team squad on and on the pitch. He's feeling good. He's, he's, he's feeling good, but he needs he needs reps, and, and he gets that as well. But he also understands Xander Clark right now is playing pretty well. So it's not just a case of Craig Gordon gets fit again and then he's suddenly straight in. He wants to make sure that he's as close to the level as he can try and get to, um, and then he knows there's a decent chance he'll come straight back in. But the bottom line is he's leaving it to Stephen Naismith to decide when he's going to play, what I would say is you can maybe expect them to play one or two B team games for Hearts, but they will not be at Ferguson Park. They'll probably be on away games with good surfaces as well. They're not going to take stupid risks and play them um, on a junior ground or anything daft like that. So this is going to be carefully managed. And he doesn't know yet. He, he doesn't know when his return date is going to be. I'd suggested on this podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, that the Rangers Cup tie at Hamden might be a target. That might just be pushing it, albeit it might be something that that might be in contention. The other dilemma that Stephen Naismith would then have, do you throw a goalkeeper who's not played a competitive game for nearly a year into a National Cup semi-final? So, yeah, there's a lot to be decided. It's just great that he's back. Scott, uh, I know you have been, you've been moonlighting for Hearts Standard. Uh, so I, I've heard some of your thoughts on this already, but when it comes to Craig Gordon being back to full fitness, we know he's not going to be at that stage yet, but when it becomes a decision for Stephen Naismith, Gordon or Clark, is it a fairly straightforward decision for you? I think it is based on based on ability, but the, the good thing is, and Mark's already alluded to this in terms of uh, Clark's form over the, over the course of his time during the last few months, it does mean that we can 
sort of steadily introduce Craig Gordon back into the team. It shouldn't be a situation where we feel that he has to be back in the team by a certain date. So we should be able to sort of, you know, take our time with this one. If you compare it with maybe some of the other decisions that we've made earlier in the season, we sort of Benny and that, I would like to see us take our time with this. Uh, because technically speaking, the team has been at its strongest this season when we've been defended, when we've been out of possession. So it's not a it's not a huge concern just now. Naturally, we've made some individual errors, but I think as a collective unit, we seem to be sort of all singing off the same hymn sheet just now in terms of defending set plays. So there's no real rush for it, but I think when he's ready, I, I can't see why you wouldn't start him. No, I completely agree, and hopefully it isn't too long before he is ready and Hearts have arguably one of, if not their greatest player in the modern era, available again. And maybe, just maybe, he's got some thoughts of Germany down the line, of course, for next summer. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, first up, I thought we'd have a quick roundup of the Hearts players who have been away on international duty, some for their senior teams, uh, some for the kind of underage levels, and we've had under-21s and uh, Kenneth Vargas with the under-23s for Costa Rica. When it comes to Xander Clark, uh, he's been away with Scotland. He was an unused substitute against Spain. He's again on the bench for the game against France, which hasn't started yet at the time of recording. Uh, Liam Kelly is earning his first cap in that one. So whether we see Xander Clark or not, we don't know at this point, but you will by the time you're listening. So there's no point in going into that one. When it comes to Australia, Kai Rolls played 83 minutes against England at Wembley. Now again, he played at left back for Australia in a 1-0 defeat in front of 81,000. He is on the bench for the game against New Zealand, which again is about to play when we're recording this, but has it will have already played out for you guys listening at home, so we won't get into that one. But in terms of the England game, now Scott, you watched this match. This is the second time um, in recent international week, um, weeks that Kairos has played at left-back. It's where he played for the second half against Hibs. What did you make of his performance in this one against you know, very high calibre opposition? I thought he, he acquitted himself very well. What, what I would say about the conditions of the match was that I think it definitely suited him. It was sort of played at a very sort of friendly pace. Uh, I think it was more akin to the sort of standard of pace that he was probably playing at in, in the A-League prior to coming over here. I think the game was in front of him. There wasn't really a lot of what you would call quick transitions or balls being turned over and him having to sort of turn and face his own goals. So again, I, I think it sort of played into his hands in, in, in that respect. But he'd done really well. He was comfortable on the ball, but he was also aggressive when he needed to be as well. Uh, so I think, again, we sort of alluded to this during the, the chat last week about the, the sort of aftermath of the Hibs game. And we did say that, you know, it is a it is a potential option there, although he's not he's not quite as dynamic or as comfortable in the ball as say a, an Alex Cochran or a Stephen Kingsley. He could give you 
a certain level of solidity at left back, similar to what we sort of had when when sort of Igor Rossi was playing left back for us under Nielsen and we had sort of Callum Patterson sort of mm-hmm. bombing down the other side. It could give us that lopsided option that allows us to sort of concentrate our game down the right side, similar to what we've done against Hibbs with Forrest and Civic. Uh, so it was really good to see him uh, sort of continue his, his decent form that he showed over the last sort of three to four weeks. Yeah, I suppose it's a game in which uh, Australia had a third of possession, so it'll be very much a, a defensive game for him rather than a game where he's been asked to maybe push forward. Is it something you think we'll see more of, Mark, in certain games? Like mentioned, like uh, we've heard Scott mention, it's maybe a role that will suit a match in which hearts are going to be behind the ball more, defending, you know, whether that's a Celtic or a Rangers or a tougher away game, you think it's something we might see more of or is it just going to be more out of necessity, for instance, if mm. Kingsley and Cochrane are yeah. just both not available? I think it's a break glass in case of emergency. Uh, they are hopeful, I believe, that Alex Cochrane might be involved mm-hmm. on Sunday against Celtic, which would therefore mean it wouldn't be required if that was the case this weekend. I think... Uh, I'm always interested in Scott's tactical analysis of games. Uh, I think he breaks down games very well. One thing I noticed with the recent game against Hibernian, I think positionally he's, he's good, he's aware, um, certainly as a left-back, of, of how to defend. And this is based him or um, or our midfielder, Mr Halliday. But he was Good for a chunk going forward. I just think there's that concern of, of distribution. And he gave the ball away a couple of times towards the end of the game. Left-hand side, right-hand side, both need to have creativity there. So, yeah, it, it certainly isn't a first choice. And I, I would have no qualms about placing him there over someone like Andy Halliday in a four. But I'm not sure you play him there. I think, I think he's only a left-back in a four. I don't think you play him there as a left wing back because you've got to no. find three other center backs. So yeah, I, I don't I don't mind it. It's not first choice. But when he does get forward, um I'd rather have a Halliday or someone else on the left foot creating. Because we spoke about the Ross County game recently and, and how things changed when uh when Alex Lowry came on because we had kind of match winners. Yeah, he he's he's not someone that is going to regularly get assists playing on the left-hand side at left-back. Defensively, it might be all right, but for me, is he's like a third or a fourth choice right now. Looking at the Scotland under-21s, they played uh, Hungary under-21s in the Euro under-21 uh, qualifying. That was on Friday. That was at Fir Park in front of 1,800 people. Scotland won 3-1. Aidan Denham and Alex Lowry were unused substitutes. Lewis Nielsen only came on in the latter stages when Scotland were defending a 2-1 lead. Scotland played Malta just this evening at the time of recording. It only just finished before we went on air. Alex Lowry and Lewis Nielsen both started. and Alex Lowry scored a penalty that put Scotland 1-0 up and they went on to win 2-1 eventually. Aidan Denham, an unused substitute also in that one. Uh, looking at Costa Rica, now, Kenneth Vargas scored against Colombia on Sunday for the under-23s with a lovely little dinked finish, which you can see on Twitter. It was shared by the Hearts official Twitter feed. Uh, the sides meet again on Wednesday. Uh, interesting, this one, Scott, for me, is Kenneth Vargas. He's maybe not, not been at his best the last few games for Hearts, 
the one question for me still with this, and we saw him score that lovely goal, getting him behind against Colombia. Is there still a potential that Kenneth Vargas could be played in the role that we haven't managed to fill yet, which is the fact that Josh Janelli left? Potentially, especially in certain fixtures. And I think if you were to look at the game on Sunday, that's an ideal sort of fixture for, for, for trying to implement him through the centre, or at least making runs from deep, from out wide, because Celtic are going to probably play with a high line and it would be quite susceptible to, to the counter-attack. I think the bigger question regarding the likes of Vargas and Tsuyoda and Tagawa is how we how we get you know the most out of them during these matches in which teams are going to set up to play with sort of nine or ten men behind the ball and we don't quite have that space in behind their defensive line. That tends to be the the bigger sort of uh, sort of quandary just now that the the club are facing. But I definitely think you know if you if you think about Hamden, Ibrox, and a home game against Celtic, they're ideal fixtures to maybe try and play them through the middle uh, and have the likes of a, a Shankland or a Boyce maybe just dropping into that number ten position. So that kind of rounds up the international matches that involved Hearts players over the international break. As I mentioned, a few games still to happen. So there's no point in us going into any of those at the moment, but not too many Hearts players away, which, yeah, some people were disappointed. Maybe not as many players in the past have been involved, but it does mean more players should be fresh for this weekend's game against Celtic. Okay, moving on. I, I mentioned we wanted to have a little bit of an international theme to a, not a homework question at this point. We'll maybe get some of your thoughts on it, but we wanted to pick a Scotland international 11. Now, Previously on the podcast, we have done a Hearts International Eleven, which was made up of Hearts players who have been capped at international level. So we've done that before. So this time, since Scotland are going to the Euros, we thought we would do our Hearts Scotland Elevens. Now, to keep it a bit more, a bit more modern, we decided to keep it to the eras that all of us three can cover, which is sort of the last thirty to forty years. So let's say the eighties onwards. Um, we're going to put together Hearts 11 that doesn't have to be players that were ever capped for Scotland, just Scottish players. So I thought this would be quite interesting to see what we all come up with. Uh, let's start with you, Scott. Why not? If you're going to give us a Hearts Scottish 11, who have you put together? So I was finding this quite hard to sort of pick an 11, so I have done it as kind of like my strongest 11, but then an, an understudy for each position, okay. uh, if that makes sense. I, I was also thinking about a formation that would suit the modern era, rather than, say, go for a bog-standard 4-4-2, which, which mm -hmm. may suit some of these individuals more than the formation that I'm trying to fit them into. But I did go for a 3-4-3. Uh, in goals, I mean, I'm not quite sure anyone will be surprised to hear this, but I had <laughs> Gordon. Uh, and then I had Henry Smith as his very able deputy. Uh, I had a back three of David Weir, Craig Levine and Sandy Jordan. Uh, probably the classiest back three I think you could probably get. Good mix of pace, comfortable on the ball, good recovery pace, but also... You know, the likes of Weir and Levine were also really good at being aggressive when they needed to be as well. Uh, the understudies for them were McCla Alan McLaren, Stephen Presley and Stephen Kingsley. Uh, my midfield four, so I kind of went with sort of wing-backs either side and I went with Aaron Hickey on the right 
and Gary Naismith on the left, with Callum Patterson and Lee Wallace being their kind of subs. And mm-hmm. then middle of the park, I've kind of went for two different options. So I went with a sort of first choice pairing of Cameron and Hartley for that sort of box to box sort of feature. But then if you were maybe more interested in keeping possession and controlling the game, I've got Jim Bett and Steve Fulton as their kind of understudies in that in that team. And then finishing up up front, I've got John Colquhoun and Neil McCann playing either side of John Robertson. And then I've got Alan Johnston, Eamon Bannon and Stephen Naismith as their understudies. Hmm. Okay. It's a good team. Good team. Interesting. How about you, Mark? The common 3-3-2-2 formation where <laughs> wing-backs don't exist because Gary Mackay's told Tommy McLean to fuck off and he's not playing in that position. So, Craig Gordon in goal. A back three of Craig Levine, Alan McLaren, David Weir. A midfield three of Gary Mackay, Paul Hartley, Colin Cameron. The two tasked with doing whatever the hell they want, John Cahoon and Neil McCann. And a front two. Now, bearing in mind, at their peak, we, we can have their at-the-peak form from any club that we want. Robbo and Morris Johnson. They played together for okay, Scotland. There. I think that would be Morris Johnson at his peak and Robbo at his peak. Oh, good luck to the opposition defenders. Um, subs, I've got nine. Henry Smith. Stephen Presley, Gary Naismith, Lee Wallace and Dave McPherson. Jim Bett, I thought was a really good shout from Scott. Sandy Jordan as well is on my bench. Sandy Clark, I've got on the bench as well. So when Morris Johnson um, gets a call to to go to the nightclub um, and leaves Robbo up front on his own, Sandy Clark can come on, nod it down and he can score the goal, Robbo, like he did at Tannadice. And Stephen Naismith, I think Stephen Naismith at his peak is, is someone that would certainly be uh, involved in this squad. But a 3 3 2 2 with eight subs, nine subs. What about you, Mr. Dunsar? So I decided to make this a little bit um a little bit more interesting because I kind of knew a lot of the names that you would both go for. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna be dropping a lot of the same names. So I changed it slightly for me now. I've decided just to go with 21st century players. Um purely so I'm not just adding in, you know. Craig Levine and John Gahoon and John Robertson, etc. So only Hearts players um, uh, who played for the club in the 21st century, which means... I was going to say, not not born in the 21st century. No, sorry. You're really limiting things. Very limited with that. (laughs) Only players that played. So Paul Ritchie only just didn't make it because he never actually played for us. um, That's a good shot. 21st century. Um, I'm going to discount Neil McCann because although he played for us, in the 21st century, um, Neil McCann, Mark II, was a completely different Neil McCann than the original. So, taking him out of the equation. So, again, there's no point in you know, the goalkeeper's Craig Gordon, obviously. But um, back four, so I've gone Callum Patterson right back. I've gone Gary Naismith left. I, I, I was trying to weigh this up quite a bit because I peak Lee Wallace, I thought, was yeah, almost unplayable good... at left back. Um, Wallace against, um, against Naismith. I think that's a tough one. It's a really, I think, as an overall career, Gary Naismith um, tops it. I think you know Lee, Lee Wallace obviously spent a lot of time with Rangers, um, did well for them. A lot of that was in the lower leagues. I think before he got injured, though, there was it was two seasons where I thought Lee Wallace was both our best defensive player and our best attacking player. He basically covered kind of like what Callum Patterson did. He was covering that left side. He was basically playing left back and left midfield slash wing at the same time. Um, 
he didn't have the yeah, didn't have the same career as Naismith, I thought, overall. But there was a point where I thought Lee Wallace was just incredible. But I, I've gone with Naismith overall. But it was a tough one, I thought. Presley Webster in the centre. Uh, you could put Berra in there. But I'm going for a bit of team dynamic with this one. And I thought, as a partnership, I thought they worked really well. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to play a decent brand of football here. And I need something to link the back to the midfield. This is where I really struggled. So I've decided to go with a four a four three three, but with a defensive midfielder. So it's almost more of a four one two two one type of thing. So a back four, a sitting midfielder, two central ahead of them, two inside forwards. You've been playing football forward. manager too much, you I well, yeah, I always do. I've been this story of my life. Um now I really struggled to think of a link man, a sitting midfielder. So I've gone with John Souter. So I'm going a bit left field here. I know he generally played at centre back, but I'm thinking right, Presley and Webster aren't going to want to play out from the back, so they're not they're not going to link defence to midfield. But I can't think of a good link midfielder because Cameron mm. and Hartley. This is the thing, you know. Scott touched upon it as well. You always stick them both in a team because they're two great players. But if you, they wouldn't really be a very good dynamic necessarily, would it? If you have two in the middle to have Cameron and Hartley, you're taking this very seriously. I am. I was, I was mulling over it. I was sitting here, couldn't. So I've got super sitting behind. Started in that position more, didn't he? When he joined Celtic, he, when he joined Celtic, you're right. He he was a yeah. That's true. No, that's quite a good observation. I didn't really think about yeah later in his career when he did. That was a great shout, that. though. Thanks. Like Suter could easily have played that position if, if if he'd been interested in it. I don't think it was a position he ever had any interest in playing. I'm not yeah. sure he's even at his peak yet either. No, yeah, good I, shout, like. I think that I think at Dundee United he got played there a few times, but it was seen as playing him out of position. Um, but anyway, I'm going to try it with Cameron and Hartley in front of him, so then they're not too bothered about having to drop deeper or or, or mop up or be that sort of deep line playmaker. Now the front three was kind of difficult because Patterson and Naismith are going to be bombing forward, providing the width. So I don't want wingers. Um, now I've gone with Templeton and Walker oh. coming in. So the problem being, I kind of wanted someone to come in on to their left from the right, and I just couldn't really think of anyone. And again, maybe I've just totally forgotten someone. But I've gone with them, so they'll switch around. So I'm thinking more 2010 Templeton, you know, when I think he, he really did show terrific promise when he was often playing in that sort of role, maybe under the likes of Jeffries. Walker, I'm thinking 2016-17, you know, that terrific season when he was really at his peak. And then Mark made a good point about Naismith. So I I wanted to put Naismith in here. So it was really between Naismith and Shankland for me in that sort of number nine role, but a kind of false nine role because you're linking up. You know, you're linking up between the two players supporting you and you've got Cameron and Hartley bombing forward. You've got the width coming from Patterson and Naismith. So you're not, you're not necessarily like a big number nine. But I've gone with Shankland in the end. Um, so, yeah, that was a tough one. But no, one, it, one player all three of us have omitted, and I, I, no, probably it, erroneously on my behalf. And I'm thinking about him as far as someone in your team, because he did play for Hearts in the 2000s. Could he play with Hartley and with Cameron? Um, because at his best, it, just brilliant. Stevie Fulton. Seven? No, Fulton? Oh, I I, I, well, Adam is a sub. I thought about Fulton. I just couldn't think where to put him because, yeah, I guess because when he was younger, yeah, he was 
<clears throat> he was kind of box to box at times, wasn't he? His, you know, when he had a bit more energy, and then he became more of a sitting player as he uh, got older, and the um, the lack of fitness really caught up with him because, yeah, he never hid the fact that he was not that bothered about keeping himself in great shape. So, yeah, I, I couldn't think where to fit him in to like a, a kind of modern football formation as you touched upon, Scott. That's, you know, Steve Fulton was like incredibly talented player, wasn't he? But, um, yeah, sometimes I guess would you think he would be more that he could be that sitting role, I suppose, couldn't he? He'd be quite happy not to have to run about too much. To an extent, he's about a luxury player. I think you need to play yeah. with a midfield free, definitely. But then it probably needs to be a flat free rather than relying on him to be a, a sitter. Or mm-hmm. he'd be one of the two, similar to what they'd done when he was at his peak. You had sort of Salvatore playing the holding role, and then you had sort of Fulton and Cameron just sort of playing either side of him. Uh, so it's it's difficult. He is one of those guys. It is hard to sort of include them in teams, which is it is mad to a degree, because anytime you watch interviews with people from that era, he tends to be one of the first names that, that gets brought up in a conversation around the you know the best player that they played with at the club. So it's 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 a funny one. But I mean for me I, I, I it'd be fun watching Cameron and Hartley try and play in a as a midfield too, but I, I don't know how it would work out for you defensively. <laughs> Yes, there is that. It's funny because I think when I first started watching Hearts, I always thought of Fulton as being, he kind of, he would often burst forward, uh, you know, he'd make runs at the box, he would get goals, but then he was a completely different player by the latter part of his Hearts career when he was, and he always had that amazing left foot, he was stroking passes around, but he wasn't really covering any ground. He left back so, quite a bit towards the yeah, end. Yeah, we had to keep shifting him over to left back, he played there in a couple of derbies, I remember. Yeah, we had that real early 2000s under Jeffries, wasn't it? We had a real left-back problem. Was it, must have been after, was it after Naismith left and we just never really yeah. found a, i trying to think who would. Kenny Milton the, played there a few times. Yeah. Kenny uh, Milton, wow. Kieran McInespy on loan. Oh. I remember them oh. trying him. And then Austin McCann was brought in, wasn't he? Well, yeah, there was that spell sort of in between Naismith left and then it was about a year before Mahi came in. And I think that's when they had to sort of experiment with, with that side of the park and just bring a few a few guys in there. Uh, but we've been pretty well off for left-backs out with it. I was that. thinking that, I mean, going back to Tosh McKinley, I always remember around that time, we used to have the school playground arguments. Why does a player have to move to Rangers or Celtic to get a Scotland cap, why can't he get one? Like Tosh McKinley and others that would end up playing for Scotland after they moved to, to Rangers or Celtic. But Tosh McKinley, Gary Naismith, Stefan Mahe, Takis Fisas. I mean, is that the one position at heart we've probably been the strongest with over the last 30, 40 years? That and goalkeeper, I'd say. And, go- and goalkeeper, yeah. Outfit and centre-half. Yeah. Probably centre-half as well, actually, to be fair. Position. Yeah, d- defensively, like... Obviously, we ch- I changed the the rules for myself a little bit with this, but it's always you can always think you know when you think of centre backs, even when you do the forty year one, you know Presley and Webster were the two that I put in. But if you if you do the eighties onwards, like we started, yeah. but you can't put either of them in because you've no. got well, you got Craig Levine, Levine mm-hmm. you 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 Craig Levine, um, you got Paul Ritchie, you got David Big Beer, you got Dave McPherson, yeah. so many options defensively, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Was there any what Scotland caps that that really surprised you? 
I'm trying to think of any really Nicky Walker. Sp- yeah, I was just going to say uh, Nicky Walker against Germany. I know it was a friendly, but it was still a surprise. I was trying to think of the the last really random, not not say random, but surprising Scotland cap at Hearts. Did Gary McSwagan win a Scotland cap for he Hearts? Did. He, he yeah, did. He did. He scored. Yeah. It was a Lithuania game where he and Cameron both scored. I remember at the time thinking it was a right novelty. We watched a, a Scotland game and two Hearts players scored. So both his Scotland caps were with Hearts. Is that right? Yeah. That's good. Wow. But Gary McSwagan was All right. in cracking form back then. Yeah, he? he was good. He was good. He was a good player. He was a finisher. Did he not come onto the scene? Was he not part of the kind of Rangers Champions League? 92, 93. Um, I don't know if he was first. Yeah, he scored against Marseille, I think. Ah, he did, because it was him. It was McCoyston Haitley and then McSwagan off the bench. Good player. Good player. It's not, I'm just looking at his stuff right now. Rangers to Notts County. To Dundee United, and then they had that press conference that um, that you posted. Um, I, I didn't realise that he was signed or paraded certainly on the same day as as Juanjo back when. Yeah, I remember that because they both had like was it they both got really high numbers. It was between forty seven and forty nine. Trying to remember which. Well, um, Vincent Garen had forty seven around that time. I've got his it was forty eight and forty nine. Then must have been McSweegan. And yeah. I'm trying to think the, the one that maybe I'm I'm thinking jumps out a little bit would be when we managed to um we played Trinidad and Tobago that was Easter Road that game. And I'm sure at one point, if you include the goalkeeper, four out of the back five all played for hearts. And McGowan played that game, did he not? Or was that an earlier one? Played what game? <laughs> oh, that's a silly <laughs> That's up there. That is up there. <laughs> I want, and this, that's the weird thing. I was listening as well. Oh, you, you got it right. It was Easter Road. Was, <laughs> I mean, I'd be quite impressed because it was 2004. So Ryan McGowan would it be? That's just a shock. And I don't <laughs> want you what, to edit this. I 14. deserve the shame. 14 or 15, and he's also Australian. <laughs> I suppose a surprise, uh, a surprise call-up, but he never actually... Oh, you're letting me away with this. Hamilton? Right, Stevenson. Oh, Stevenson, yeah. Stevenson. I think so it's he never Hamilton. Back, but he got called up. I think it was an away fixture. Uh, Cyprus uh, game? Greece or Cyprus or something. Yeah, Cyprus game he got called up. Something like that, and he, he got called up during that time. Uh, Robbie got a, a cap, although I think that was... Ukraine. I think that was deserved, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, Presley got sent off in the game he was captain. They also got captain. No, I mean, the game against um, Ryan McGowan's Trinidad, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, because Jamie McAllister got captain in that yeah, game, which, and it wasn't like he was, he was a decent player, but I just, you know, I think Gordon, so Gordon was in goals, and uh, I don't think Webster started, but he did play. Presley played, McAllister played, played and it might be they all did they were all involved i just i felt like at one point maybe that certainly throughout the game for the back five at some point played for hearts was jamie McAllister. i'm just trying to think there's not many scotland caps for us you can think oh man totally forgot that he got a cap it's usually very memorable isn't it when the the heart players michael stewart uh northern ireland friendly was nil nil at hampton 
Rehab's players were on the bench against Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia? All came on. 1988. Calhoun. Oh, yep. so I don't remember uh, that. It's because it was two years after I was born. Calhoun Mackay. Yep. The Furthers. Henry. Yep. Came on for Lane. John, Col- John Calhoun came on for Stevie Nick. And Guy Mackay came on for Paul McStay. So that was so. Robbo was at Newcastle at the time. Around that time, Robbo had kind of gone down to Newcastle. Didn't come back up till one of the European ties. I think it was Bayern or something like that. So he wasn't available. Well, he was. He wasn't considered because um, he wasn't playing um, or scoring as often. But yeah, that's that's three, and they were all on the pitch at the same time. So I wonder. I wonder what the most. This might be one for the the Hearts Heritage or Mister McIntosh, if you if you know. What's the highest number of Hearts players on the field for Scotland at one time? Well, we had three at home to Germany in that game you mentioned with Nicky Walker because we right. started that night and Robble started that night. So have we had? Have we ever had four? Because that's two occasions we've had three. Well, that Scotland. I need to find it. I need to find that Scotland Trinidad game and see if it actually <laughs> was. What, um, that was what two thousand four. You said for Scotland Trinidad. Let me just have a look. So Webster came on for McFadden eighty five, and so Presley played the whole game. Yep, none of the Craig other Hearts players went game. off. So I was right. The last five minutes, four of the back five were Hearts players. So that game, when I got four, Gordon was in goals. McAllister left. Presley Webster. McAllister was at Livy at the time in the centre. Was he Livy at the time? Yeah, Jimmy McAllister was at Livy at the time. Was so he still three? Mm-hmm. According to London Hearts. 2004, May 2004. It's yeah, he didn't sign for us till the following month. Yep. Oh, I had in my yeah. head that he was... He was still a Livy player um, and then joined Hearts at the end of the season. So he's probably in talks at the time, but it hadn't gone through. So he was st- he represented Livingston that night at Easter Road against McGowan's Trinidad. Okay. Yeah. So any more than three still? I, I would have to... Dig oh, deeper. Oh, wait, Hartley, Gordon, Presley, and Webster. I'm sure they all played together around 05, 06. And a Slovenia couple... game, maybe? There was a Slovenia game. Yeah, right? Slovenia um, away game. 3 0 game. Hartley scored. Gordon, Presley, Hartley. But that was it. Oh, hold on. Webster. Yeah. So Gordon, Presley, Webster. Hartley, and even although Webster, sorry, Presley was taken off, they all started the game. There you go. There's our four. There's okay. our four. If someone can find five, then there might, <laughs> there might be a, there might be an old game that we're not thinking of. Um, it's probably not going to be good listening for us to try and search for it right now. Yes, indeed. But um, <laughs> but no, that was interesting. It's it's, it's always a, a good chat to see where we could go with that. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Moving on to club football, of course, the main focus of our podcast at Heart of Midlothian against Celtic this coming Sunday. Hearts going into this game, despite having the disappointing 90-second collapse against Hibs, they have only lost one of their last five matches. Up against the Celtic side, who are still very formidable 
domestically, five wins in a row in terms of domestic matches. And in the league, they've won seven, drawn one, and no defeats so far this season. Celtic top scorers in the league, 19 goals in their eight matches. Hearts have only scored seven, but they have the joint best defensive record with Celtic and Rangers. Just five conceded. In terms of the head-to-head, Hearts though have lost nine in a row against Celtic. That's since the 2-1 win in July 2021. That is Hearts only win in 19 matches against Celtic. 18 defeats in those 19 games. It's not been a fixture that has been very kind to Hearts in recent years. Mark, do you have any optimism that it will be kinder this Sunday afternoon? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I've seen much better Celtic sides in the, in the past five, ten years than, than this one seems to be. However, it's still a lot better than Hearts. And it's a lot better than Rangers. And it's a lot better than, than St Mirren, who make up the, the top three. So, yeah, yeah. I remember the 4-3 game. That's probably the most recent game where you kind of thought, yeah, we've got a chance in this one. That was the... Was, was that was that a full house? That it was, wasn't it? The four three game, it was because that was Shanklin's hat trick. Yeah, that that's yes. as close as, as we've come for a while to get something out of of the game. And and do you know what? Talk, talking about maybe not the strongest Celtic team that it's been for for quite some time. Maybe that's that's a, a lot due to a lack of education of the players that Brendan Rodgers has brought in. Um, the, the one thing with Celtic, regardless of the players that they have, they have a mentality. They are never beaten. You've seen it this season. You saw it for Park. Motherwell thought they'd escaped with a point right at the end. There was still time for Celtic. They're the one team that you know, even if you've got a 2-0 lead going into stoppage time, which is rare, that they are never beaten. I would love Hearts to have that type of mentality. Do I think Hearts will win? I think it'll be very difficult. Probably not. But I'm not frightened of them. Um, they've got to come to Tynecastle. Yeah, they've got a good record, a really good record. They should win, but yeah, wh- why not for Hearts? And that, that's got to be the mindset that we take into this one. We can't be beaten before before we've even started the game. It's the mindset that Stevie Clark has got in the Scotland squad. Not, oh, let's just get to the Euros and enjoy ourselves. Let's get to the Euros and see what we can do. Let's, let's, let's perform. Let's believe we belong. And even if Hearts aren't as good a side as Celtic, which they're not, we've, we've got to we've got to do something this weekend. And I don't know how many players they've got away on international duty coming back. Um, I'm sure it'll be a lot more than Hearts. So it's 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 probably a good time to to, to get them with everyone coming back, and they'll be back what Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, full prep on Saturday. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Not nothing more than that. Scott. We lost the last time we played Celtic. That was back in May, 2-0. This was Stephen Naismith when he was interim boss the first time he faced Celtic. Now, despite the scoreline, you know, before Alex Cochran was sent off right at the end of the first half, Hearts had fairly ruffled Celtic's feathers in that game. Um, you know, they'd played with a decent bit of aggression, a decent tempo. Stephen Naismith has maybe adjusted his approach slightly from when he first came in, but is this a game where it's about not necessarily going toe-to-toe, but playing with, uh, I suppose, a bit of aggression, a bit of energy, and, and not kind of sitting in and letting Celtic sort of dominate the match? 
think to a degree it's a game that should suit us because we're going to be facing a team that are going to be more than happy to have possession of the ball and try and dictate the game. So it means that we can rely on some of the things that we've done quite well as a collective unit you know, thus far this season in terms of defending set plays and, and also sort of when we are out of possession as a collective team, we tend to sort of defend pretty well uh, and, and sort of stay in a, quite a, a rigid sort of shape as well. So in some degrees, it's a good fixture for us. I think the only sort of concern is that it's, it's a fixture now where we do have to start looking at getting points because of the scenario that we've found ourselves in off the back of a very inconsistent start to the season. So really at the start of the at the start of the season, you could have looked at that runny fixtures and went, well, we've got a favourable sort of first six, seven games. If we can amass enough points from there, then we can concentrate on progressing in terms of our performance against the old firm and hopefully we can get something out of those matches. I think there's more importance now on on getting points in these fixtures due to you know how poor we've been at times this season. So it's that's kind of the the biggest concern. It's going to be whether that plays into Stephen Naismith's mind when he's setting up the team. I think last season it was very much an audition, and it it was all about proving to be an alternative to what the perception was under Robbie Nielsen. So we were very aggressive. We were very on the front foot. We were pushing. We actually had quite a high defensive line that day. The reason Cochrane got red carded was because we'd been playing so sort of advanced that, you know, we left a gap in between the sort of left back and the left centre half. So I don't see us being that proactive on, on Sunday. I would be surprised. I think there is going to be a bit more of a sort of pragmatic approach to the game, uh, which is a bit of a shame because I, I, I do think that there is an, an, an opportunity there to, to get some joy out of Celtic. They definitely haven't quite hit top gear yet under uh, Brendan Rodgers. So it would be interesting to see how well they would cope if we did decide to sort of come flying out the traps. But I do have a funny feeling that that isn't how we're going to approach the game. When was the last time Hearts were ahead? against Celtic at Tynecastle Because Josh Janelli put us ahead, didn't he, at Celtic Park. When was the last time we actually led them? Get me on, Gaffer. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Gaffer, get me on. I was waiting for a break in play. Thank you. Kai Stevens scored early in that game. Thank you. Right. Referees had to stop play because there's there's somebody who's appeared. We went ahead in a four three game, didn't we? No. No. No, we went behind. No, but, but we were ahead in that game though. No, I'm talking about taking yeah. the lead, scoring oh, the first oh, goal of the game. Oh, going one down castle. Oh we, yeah. We were in the lead. We just weren't one 0 up in that game. Yeah, but I said one 0 You do what I do, not listening. Um, <laughs> anyway, the play's been stopped. If someone wants, we, we need. We can't really make a change because one of us has got to leave. Um, so we we have been playing with ten men for a while. So we've, we're back yes. to our full complement. Hello. Sorry, fellas. Sorry. It's okay. It's been desperate to get off the bench since when was the last time you played a game? 
it would have been Ross County away graveyard. You sure? It, you sure it wasn't against We're Trinidad at Easter Road? You missed that. You missed that. I missed that. I had you playing it's... Easter Road against Scotland for Trinidad. I totally forgot you were Australian. Oh, Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't ask. Listen back to and find out. I'm not repeating it. Oh, that's the first. Well. Uh, How are you, Mr. McGovern? Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Just, um, yeah. The oh. youngest is uh, allergic to a bed tonight, it seems. So that put a delay to the process. Have you had a hard day's night? <laughs> very much so. Very, very much so. How are you Can guys? Can you try to drop more Beatles references? No, I'm just saying the Fab Four's back together. That's it, I'm done. Okay. Don't you start after your M&M start the last week? Oh, Only plenty people got that. Well, Mr. So McGowan, we hear you're actually you're actually making an appearance this weekend, aren't you? Time castle. You're getting a game. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, been asked if I could do Sky for the game. So hopefully, I'll get to do that on Sunday. Sunday afternoon kickoff, isn't it? Uh, Two fifteen, <laughs> yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Two fifteen on yeah. Sunday. So yeah, so hopefully um, get to do that, um, get to go to the game, and that's why I was jumping on tonight to get a little bit of inside information so I can carry it into Sunday. Oh, well, so you, you can pretend like you know what you're talking about. I've <laughs> yeah. not really seen him that much this season, if I'm being honest. Oh, great. Why, why have we got him on? Well, well because we're, we're, we're getting him ready. We're getting him ready to face Chris Sutton because Hartson's just, they're not allowing him back on air. You've got, you've got Sutton now. As your, uh, as your I wonder, partner. Yeah, I wonder who if it'll be one more. Sometimes it's three. But it might just be. I'll be a neutral. We'll have a Hearts, a Celtic, and, and a James McFadden or a, or someone like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I'll find out maybe Thursday. Um, so yeah, see how that goes. Should be good. I think it'll be a good game. I do think it'll be a good game. But I'm I'm guessing you were talking about Hearts having to start well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. I'm interested. We we haven't actually talked about the team yet because um, I think left back is going to be the area that will probably come up here. Now, I don't know for you guys uh, in terms of we put this out to Twitter beforehand. What are people expecting from the game? Um, I'll quickly go through some of these. Um, Graham said, never confident playing the old firm, but hoping for a performance like last season until Cochrane got sent off. Expectations are low, to be honest. Now he's gone with Clark and goals. Sibic, Rolls, Kent, Halliday, left back. Devlin, Newenhoff, Forrest, Lowry, Vargas, and Shanklin. So basically, that left back position is the only one to change, and he's gone with Halliday in there. Um, Grant Haddon says he would start with Clark and goals. Sibic, Kent, Rolls, and Cochrane coming back in. Devlin, Newenhoff, sitting. Forrest, Lowry, Vargas, and Shanklin up top. 2-1 to Celtic, he says, we'll triumphantly snatch a loss from the jaws of victory, the heart's hmm. way. Um, well, so we've got Jambo Ryan expecting to lose an early goal, first 10 minutes, and the heads will drop. We'll then proceed to sit in deep and lose a complete, lose a couple more with the pressure being piled on. A nil-three scoreline will flatter us. Um, that's very optimistic. But, I mean, I, I guess if a couple of people going with just the change at left back. I mean, Mark, for you, is that the only real decision to be made in terms of the team uh, I mean I, I thought what would likely go with is Cochrane being put back in in place of Kingsley who can't make it and then the rest stays the same so like some of the teams we saw there Clark and goals Sibic right again Kent and Rolls centre Devlin Newenhoff sitting Forrest Lowry Vargas behind Shankland 
Yeah, I don't think there'll be too many changes. I wanted to talk to Ryan about Callum Neuenhoff. Um, him and Cammy, I thought, had a really good partnership together. Are, are we starting to see the best of, of Callum Neuenhoff, the reasons why Hearts went to get him from the A-League? Because I thought he was really, really good and very composed under pressure against Hibs, Ryan. Yeah, he's always had that sort of composure. That's you know probably his one of his strongest strengths as a player. Um, and I think Hearts have... If you look at it overall, they've probably managed him reasonably well. Um, you know, he played against us at St. Johnson. I think that was his, probably his first start. Um, but he only played 60-odd minutes or so. And then he got taken out of the team a little bit. And he was probably getting up to speed. And I think they put him into that game probably knowing that he wasn't going to last the 90 minutes. And also probably knowing that it would be much more of an eye-opener for him. And I sometimes think that, that 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 is a good thing. Because obviously, if they do really well, then you keep him in. But if they don't... There's not too, you know, it's not that big of a deal if you then pull them back out again and just allow them to train and get up to the proper speed and tempo and style of play that it is in Scotland because it would be totally different to what he's used to in the in the A League and you know it, it would give Callum an opportunity to realise the things that he need, he needs he needs to work on so in training to be able to perform at that level so like you said I, I thought the South uh, the Hearts. Hibs game, the last one, I thought he grew into that game really, really well. Um, you know, he was I didn't start badly, but I think probably most of the second half, I thought his decision making and um, you know everything that he did in that second half was pretty spot on in terms of his positioning and when to pass it, when to dribble it, and um, that would give him a lot of confidence because that would probably be one of his biggest games he's he's probably ever played in. Um, you know, in terms of derby atmosphere you know sheer sort of passion for the game so so that'll give him a lot of confidence going into it and, and he will be wanting to play you know a big role come Sunday against Celtic as well Scott looking ahead to the game uh, Celtic I don't know how much of them you've seen this season I know they've obviously replaced Ange Postacoglu who did very well with Brendan Rodgers coming back you know they are top of the table for a reason they are still the best team in the league but despite the goals they've been getting, they do seem to just be maybe lacking that little bit of spark that they used to have under under Postacoglu. And I don't know if that gives some incentive for Hearts here. You know, you saw St. John's themselves go to Celtic Park and frustrate them and reduce maybe the chances. Is, there, is this team weaker this season than it was last campaign? Maybe not on paper. So, so maybe in terms of individual quality, you would probably say that it isn't. I think potentially the squad is a bit weaker. Uh, they tend to have sort of now, you know, the recruitment drive during the summer seems to be based on signing more and more project players. So the squad is now pretty much full of players who might be able to make a bit of an impact but can't quite stake a claim week on week to start matches. I think... You know, they've, they've taken this decision to sort of drop Kyogo into a deeper position. Uh, and that seems to be causing a bit of an issue in terms of his productivity in the final third. And being a Brendan Rogers team, they do want to sort of dictate play maybe a little bit more in a controlled manner compared to what they were maybe doing under Postacoglu over the last two seasons. So there is there is some minor sort of tweaks in that, but I mean they're still a still a formidable team. Uh, and and I do think our our best opportunities on Sunday is going to come from either a, a sort of quick transition into a counter attack or from a set play, probably. 
Ryan, if you, if you're going into this game, part of that Hearts team, what, how do you think is best to approach it? Now we saw in the last game against Celtic, although Hearts ended with defeat, they did ruffle the feathers. They got the Hearts crowd behind the team early on, and they caused that team a few issues with Celtic. They weren't creating clear opportunities or battering down the battering down the goal or anything, but. In a game at Tynecastle, do you feel it is important for Hearts to try and... I say play on the front foot, you know, I don't think anyone expects them to be dominating Celtic, but not to be, I guess, um, sitting in or being reactive and not proactive in a match of this kind of nature. Yeah, I think it almost applies to anyone that's playing Celtic or Rangers at home. Fans don't want you to see you being passive. You know, like, it's all well and good giving, you know, them the ball in certain areas, but they want to see a little bit of need or a little bit of um, getting in their faces. Now, you, you can't constantly do that. So Hearts will be working on this week, you know, if it's maybe balls into strikers' feet or the pass that McGregor plays into somebody. Somebody has to be, like, snapping at the heels and being right in their faces because if you then start letting them get closer and closer to your box, that's when they can create opportunities. So it's... You can't go too gung-ho and, and, like you said, go right into their faces. You can in certain spells of the game and at certain triggers, but everybody has to be aware of what they are. So, you know, sometimes it will be like a backwards pass. If a fullback's playing it to a centre-back and it's going backwards, that's a signal for the whole team to get up the pitch. So the centre-backs know as soon as that ball goes backwards, they're pushing the midfielders up 10, 15 yards. Midfielders are then pushing on the strikers. And if the strikers feel like they, they can then press, they're close enough to press, then everyone goes. And you, then you try and win the ball back. So I think Hearts need to do that well. I think they need to do it well in the first 15 minutes without conceding. And then that sets the tone for the rest of the game because the Hearts fans are so big on you know wanting to do well against Celtic and Rangers, especially at Tynecastle. You know, Let's be honest, the majority of the fans that go into that game think that they want to be at a place where Hearts are beating Celtic and Rangers on a regular basis at home. And they want to be seeing some kind of, you know, I don't know. The, the players believe that, you know, that the, the, the club believes that. They want to see you snapping into that tackle, want to see you putting Celtic under pressure. And, you know, I always remember when we used to play Celtic and Rangers at Tynecastle and it'd be like a simple thing. If you put them under pressure and they kick the ball out of the pitch, and there's like a big massive like way and everyone gets up. You all you've done is maybe won a, win a throw in at the halfway line. But it just gets the crowd involved. It gets them knowing that, you know, the players are right into it. There's nothing worse than the team just sits back on the eighteen yard box and just invites the pressure on and you can hear the fans and everyone saying, Oh, it's only a matter of time before they score and then they score and it just deflates everything. So I think that would be important for, for Hearts players that, you know, they don't always press and they can't always press at certain opportunities but when it does come into areas where they can do that they're at 100% and and trying to win the ball back and and then causing Celtic problems on the on the back Mark I guess one end of the field that there's still some issues with would be the top side of the park for Hearts I mean we take away that couple of minutes in the Hibs game and the fact that we had to rearrange the defence a little bit you know if Cochrane's back in then it's going to be Civic at Right back, we would imagine, who did very well in that position against Hibs. Kent and Rolls have been looking more solid recently. At the other end of the park, you know, I mentioned Hearts, only seven goals so far in the league this season. So joint best defensive record, but just haven't really been hitting the heights. How do we find 
the way to get Shanklin looking like his best again? Is it just that we can't fit him into the system right now like we did when Janelli was there? Because, you know, Forrest played well against Hibbs out in the wide area. Alex Lowry did really well in the number 10. Fargas didn't have his best game, but we have seen certainly flashes from him. Where does Shanklin fit in this? Is this a perfect mm. game for him? Because he scored a hat-trick against him at Tynecastle last season. I don't know. I don't know. When when is the perfect game for him to, to kind of start to to show that this is the Shankland of last season? Are we going to get this type of Shankland until the transfer window opens? And then are we going to get another month of speculation, depending on whether the Saudi transfer window closes, if it's the end of January or the start of February? Is that a thing of the past? Is it still something that's ongoing? Because right now we're not seeing the Lauren Shankland that we saw last season. And if we had this Lauren Shankland last season, um, then we wouldn't have been where we ended up. We wouldn't have been probably bottom six. So we play them. I think we play them. Do we play them through the middle? Um, what are our options? You spoke earlier about Kenneth Vargas through the middle. I don't think you'd, you'd try something like that in a game against Celtic. Liam Boyce. Do you play Boyce ahead of Shanklin? Probably not now you don't if you're playing Lowry and behind. Lowry's an interesting one for me. This this could be the one because we need to be creative. We need to, at times, as Ryan and Scott were both saying, there has to be a spell in the game where we take the game to Celtic. But is Lowry, knowing that we're not going to have probably as much as 50% of the ball this weekend, knowing that Lowry isn't the greatest defensively, when it comes to work rate and everything like that, but he offers us that match-winning ability and that creativity. Do we play him in the 10 situation or do we play someone like Boyce, knowing fine well that there's more chance of the ball sticking up there if it's Shankland and Boyce? Difficult one. Conundrum. What would you do, Laurie? It's a tough one because I don't think he'll change it. And I'm, I, I was advocating that Lauren Shankland should be dropped early in the season and he then went and proved me very wrong by having a terrific game and scoring so yeah maybe I should I don't think he will change it but I'd be surprised if it wasn't just what we talked about the one change in terms of left back and I would hope it would be Alex Cochran but you know we don't know exactly what his fitness levels are like um I think against Celtic it really depends how we're going to approach it I mean you know the the famous win against Celtic we've had in recent years was against the Brendan Rodgers team, of course, on their ridiculous 69-game unbeaten run. We won 4-0, and that was all about getting in their faces because we know they're going to want to play out from the back. Um, I'll, I'll pretend I'll forget which who the goalkeeper was that game. We won't put him through that, but you know, Joe Hart will have to try and play out from the back repeatedly. We know he's decent at it, but it will open up potential opportunities if we can close them down. They'll keep playing it out. They'll keep giving it to players, even if they're under pressure. So I would like to think pressing up front and getting in their faces will be the best approach. But in terms of how we get behind them, other than that, is it going to be in transition? Is it going to be catching them out when they're pushing high up the field? I don't know. If that is the case, then I guess my concern with Shanklin being the furthest forward, is that's not really his forte. He's kind of dropping in and picking up the ball and and linking up. It's going to be his sort of game. So if I had the choice, I would probably try someone else up top, even just early on. But I don't feel he'll do that. So I kind of feel like it's a moot point. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit similar to you. There's a, there's a way that I'd like to see a set up to play on Sunday, but I'm... Very 
I'd be very surprised if, if that's what that's what he sort of came to fruition. Uh, there is a an opportunity for us to still play Shankland as a sort of main focal point, but sort of almost play a a four three three come. 4-4-2 diamond formation. I think the way that Celtic like to dictate the game under Rodgers, especially on a tight part like Tynecastle, there's an opportunity to almost sort of suffocate them in the centre of the park and have Shankland sort of dropping in deep to play the, the sort of top end of that, that diamond four. Have Benny sort of playing, you know, just in front or sitting just in front of your, your back four. And then Ewanhoff and Devlin doing what they do well is sort of playing those number eight positions and sort of getting about the park box to box as best as they can. There would then be a case of who do you play out wide. Now, it's fair to say that both Alex Lowry and, and Alan Forrest have showed up really well in recent weeks. And they've definitely been two of our, our better performers. But I think given Celtic's high defensive line, I would probably go with Vargas on the right and I would play Tagawa on the left and I would have them making runs from deep and have Shanklin sort of dropping deep and allowing them to make those runs in behind the line. And that's what I'd be looking to try and do and hit them on the counter. Again, do I think that will happen? No, I don't think there'll be too many changes from the team that started against Tibbs. Uh, like you mentioned there about Lowry, given how much possession we're going to have, they might... They might go with Grant, they might not, they might go with Boyce, but I, I would certainly like to see us try something a little bit different. Uh, I think there is an opportunity there, but again, I just, given what I mentioned earlier about this fixture now becoming really important about trying to sort of, you know, keep a bit of momentum in terms of winning points, I do think we will be quite pragmatic in our style and it wouldn't surprise me to to maybe even see them go free at the back and sort of almost go with a sort of 5-3-2 formation. I know he wasn't on earlier. I wouldn't mind asking Ryan the question. What do you make of Kai Rolls as the left-back? I think these types of games, it's not as bad him being a left-back um, because he won't really be like gallivanting forward that much. He'll be under pressure. He'll be in 1v1 situations a lot. kind of benefits him that style of game to be at left back because there's not that much of an out ball for him. He's not going to be expected to you know, put deliveries in and do that. And I thought he played well in the second half um, against Hibbs in that position. And he's also played it a couple of times for Australia. Yeah. So he'll be slowly getting that sort of um, not feel for the position, but the games that he has played for in Australia have been games similar to sort of the Celtic game where he knows yeah. he'll be under the pump. He knows that the other team's going to have a lot of that possession. And it's more of a case of, you know, Graham Arnold, for example, just knowing that you've got a solid back four and just know that he's not going to really be caught out of position. He's not going to be caught high and wide. You're not going to be caught, you know, with both your fullbacks flying forward and they can get down the wing. So, yeah, it, you know, if you play a back four of the one that you mentioned, it's basically four centre-backs. Isn't it really? Yeah, it is. They just kind of shuffle across, and then, like you said, if you've got a couple of ones in the middle, Devlin, Nuenhoff, that can be snapping at everyone's ankles. But yeah, I agree with you guys. You do need ace or an option, or you need one of them to get beyond Shankland if Shankland pays. You need something to to get in behind and have Celtic worrying about the ball in behind because if you don't, then they can just squeeze the game and they end up, you know, pressing you in areas that you don't want to be playing. 
you end up knocking a long ball, Joe Hart gets it, and it's just wave after wave after wave. So they need an out ball somewhere. I'm just Who not is Hart's best sure. out ball? Probably be between Forrest and Vargas, isn't it, really? That you could say? Everyone else is kind of similar. See if I was if see if I was Forrest or Vargas, I would just be I wouldn't be going near the ball at all. I would just be constantly running behind. And I, I remember listening to a, an interview with Paul Hartley and he wasn't getting in the Celtic midfield when he first went there. And he, he had to think of a reason why he wasn't playing. And it was because he was kind of similar to everyone else that they had at the time. So he's like, I need to do something different that they don't do. So he's like, obviously at Celtic, everyone's at the ball, has the ball and playing in possession, playing it nice and you know good on the ball. They had Nakamura, they had players that were more comfortable on the ball than um, Hartley was. So he's like, I'm just going to do what I did at Hearts and just continually run forward, just keep bombing forward. So that's what he did. He ended up getting the team. And I feel like Hearts have so many players who are kind of like in a similar mold, whereas if Forrest or Vargas just didn't come to the ball, just continually ran in behind, made diagonal runs in behind Shanklin to try and get on flick-ons, it would give Naismith something different to think about. And it would give the opposition something to think about because they'd be like, we can't go that tight to Shanklin when he goes in the feet because there's been one or two times that Forrest or Vargas has got in behind us. Whereas I didn't feel like they did that that much this season. Anytime that I've watched this, I've not felt that they've had a, a threat in behind, which is modern day football now is such a big, big thing. Just, just an idea, Laurie and Scott and I were talking earlier about stretching the game and you, you spoke about Vargas. I, I don't know if you can surprise teams anymore in the Scottish Premiership because there's, there's so many games. Would Given the way that Celtic play, and it's at Tynecastle and it's a narrow pitch, if we're playing with those four centre-backs, would a midfield trio of Cammy Devlin, Callum Neuenhoff and George Grant with Lawrence Shankland and Liam Boyce playing in behind with Kenneth Vargas as the guy running in behind. Could that work, Ryan? Uh, yeah. Obviously, it could work. It would just be... What, what, like, just have a free roll and you can just kind of... Like a Christmas tree. Yeah, like like a Christmas... I mean, you don't have someone like a Lowry or... or but I'm, I'm talking about players that if, when we don't have the ball, mm. which will be quite a lot of the time, are, mm. are starting the defending from the top. Um, yeah, you're maybe taking away a little bit of creativity, but that's what subs are for. But yeah. I think you've got enough. You've got enough talent there, and you do crucially have the legs because that's what we were talking about earlier. Where are we playing Vargas to maximise the trouble that he could cause? Mm-hmm. Again, you're still playing Shankland. You're bringing in Boyce, but you're playing, yeah. as you say, you're playing Vargas, and 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 you've, you're having the legs um, to to perhaps worry either Joe Hart, Scales, or Carter Vickers. I'm just thinking of something a wee bit different because every yeah. time we do the same thing, it's the same outcome against Celtic. Yeah, you can have you can just tell Vargas just to go wherever he wants. That's like one of the hardest things to, to defend because you, one minute you're like, oh, he's over my side, and then you're like, well, where is he? He's he's over the other side. And you know, as long as he just tell him to stay near Boyce and Shanklin and run in behind. And but if you do do that, then the midfield three that you've got of Grant, Devlin, and Neuenhoff, they need to shuffle right across. So you then have to leave the furthest one. So if the ball was going down, sort of Hearts' left-hand side, it would have to be like Neuenhoff would have to come across as almost the left midfielder. Then Devlin and Grant would follow him over to centre mid and you leave the furthest one away. And if they do get the big switch, you just have to slow them down and everybody shuffles across because they wouldn't be... You're not set enough to be like, well, I'm only like 
Grant just goes out to the right, for example, or Devlin, you when it goes down the left hand side of Celtic, you shuffle across because Vargas could be there one time. But then the next time Celtic get the ball, he's made a run out on the opposite wing and Celtic's got a two V one down your right hand side. So that's where you have to be careful of when you do play that sort of roaming player that, you know, as much as it can help you, it can also sort of cause confusion defensively in, in terms of you know, Celtic getting overloads in the wide areas, which they also like to do. Scott, is that doable? I think it is, and and I think one of the one of the things that playing, you know, Boyce and Shankland in that team will allow us to do is almost sort of sit in on their double pivot as well. So again, if you think about how much they will want to dictate and control possession under Rogers, it could work in our favour to have those two maybe just playing a little bit deeper. It, it I mean, ultimately, you know, and, and we have sort of talked at length about different different tactics, different systems, different shapes. Ultimately, mentality is the most key aspect to sort of winning these types of fixtures. You've got to go in there not having that sort of inferiority complex. You've got to go in there trying not to put your opponents up on a pedestal. Naturally, you've got to respect them. You've got to have the realism that they are a possibly man for man a better side than you, but you've got to go in there and have that that belief that you can win the match. So man management from Stephen Naismith this week is probably just as pivotal, if not more so, than than how we set up because, you know, you need that mentality and then you also need to rely on them having an off day, don't you? There's always that slice of luck that you tend to need when you're, you're wanting to get a result against either half of the old firm. Cars Around the Funnel is brought to you by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Before we go this week, we're talking about Hearts Against Celtic, and we do have to give our customary predictions in terms of scoreline and a goal scorer. Mark, are we going to revert to type with this and just stick with a very optimistic Hearts victory and scorer. What do you think? No, 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 no. no? Let's, okay. let's go for a draw. Let's go for a draw. Um, the best Hearts can hope for is a win, of course. Who expected that team that played with Ross? What's his name? I can't even remember his surname now when he played against Celtic in the 4 0. Who expected that? That's the one. Um, 1 1 or 2 2? 2 2. 2 2 with. It sounds like a cami day. A 2 2 with a, a cami goal from. So it'll hit him in the face or backside or arse cheek or something. And it'll go in. They'll not mean it, but he'll claim it. 2 2. Cami Devlin. Yeah, I mean, Devlin's going against Celtic at Tinker. So that'll be. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, he get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ryan? You're probably going to have to make a prediction on Sunday if you get the green light to enter the Sky Sports studio. I'll pro- I'm going to go 2-1 hearts. Nice. Whoa! Yeah. Do you think Tommy Devlin's going to get on the score sheet? <laughs> no, I do not think <laughs> I know him too well to know that. Well, the only chance he has of scoring is exactly what Mark said. So the deflection, or not that I can talk, but it'll be like a deflection or a tackle and it catches Joe Hart off and trickles in or it's not going to be a thunderbolt or a screamer, but 
I'm going to go Boyce to score. Okay. Um, and 2-1. Can't be Devlin got a double in one game this season. Yeah, the first oh, one was yeah. heading for the corner flag without the deflection. <laughs> Doesn't on. matter. Still went in. I'm back to my bum. I'm team Cammy. I just, okay. I just hope he, I hope he plays the majority of the game without a yellow card. If he's going to get booked, then get booked late on. Um, but just try and keep the discipline because I want him to play. What's that? Four and six starts this season. No, I don't want him suspended. He's he's becoming a key part of the Hearts team. Scott, what do you reckon for this one? <laughs> They're going to go one each, and I think we. Uh... You know, the man shaft needs to die on that kind of Fargas hill. So I'm going to say kind of Fargas. <laughs> you can now see if we can keep man shaft and kind of Fargas in the, in the chat every week now. That can, <laughs> that can be a challenge. By the way, Laurie, if you title this podcast Man Shaft, S H A F T, will that be rejected? <laughs> no, because that's just, they're too. They're. Two non-explicit words, man and shaft. Sorry, there was a German. There was a German theme at the opening, Ryan. You missed it. Oh, sorry, I'll listen to it. Sorry. You were, you were, you were not part of the man shaft at that point. Um, I, I could probably give it a bash. What were we talking about? Predictions. Okay, so I'm going to predict Hearts will lose. Oh, is this some sort of reverse? Sorry. Can't do that. Why not? Are you oh. looking for a suspension? Yeah. <laughs> we'll kick then. you off this. We'll kick you off if you keep doing this. How's your editing skills, McGowan? I don't know. What are you talking about? Your heart's going to lose 2 1. You might think it, but don't say it. What? I'm not allowed to say well, it. No, because it, you're, not, you're getting absolutely fuck all credit if hearts do lose 2 1. Well, I mean, what, uh, what do you get? But what do you get out of that? Come on now. Well, that just. Oh, I was right. I predicted Hearts would lose to Celtic. No shit, Sherlock. Two one Celtic. Vargas it's like those guys, you know, your mates that put on the bet and they put on like Celtic minus three because they're like, oh, Hearts, <laughs> it's going to be a great day. But if they lose, then at least they get a little bit of money back. That's what you are. You're one of them, aren't you? Not. <laughs> hey, I'm not condoning gambling and everybody would gamble <laughs> but, but you are one of them aren't you no I'm, I'm I'm disappointed I'm usually just well, I'm just mixing it up I'm I usually go with usually go with the heart I'm just deciding this time I'm going to go with the head not and I hope now. I'm not wrong. not now I really hope hearts beat Celtic so you we can so mock you forever more I, I would take the mocking for a hearts win I'll take the mocking you've predicted a hearts defeat it's probably going to happen, but don't predict it. That's not what the end of the show is about. We want to Scott have people. Yeah, but that he got a ban. He was banned, <laughs> so I thought well, that's, that's that's enough to put you off from <laughs> anyone else from ever doing it again. I know. Imagine, imagine a fan listening to this, driving up to Tynecastle, getting Tynecastle. pumped up for the game, getting fired up, going, "This is going to be a great game," and then going, "Oh, actually, last thing they yeah. hear as they get out of the car." Going to Tynecastle. Oh, I think um, Hartwood probably lose this one. This is the Hearts TV commentator that's just said that. How are we meant to right. take your voice and, and trust it anymore? Fine, two one hearts. Jesus no. Christ. <laughs> Stop copying me. <laughs> Can't have it. Gowser's already got that. That doesn't matter. <laughs> right. 
Whatever. I can. It's you can ban me if you version. want. I'll I'll take a ban. I'll take the slagging if Hearts win. I'll be delighted. Well, you'll be getting a slagging anyway. Put it that way. Well, fine. I'll accept that. And whatever happens, um, someone will be back next week to discuss. Who's scoring? Who's scoring in the two-one win? Vargas, I told you. I, but we have we have three Celtic players. It's a Celtic own goal. <laughs> yeah, probably Carter Vickers hat trick. One in the wrong end. Right. right. Whatever happens, someone will be back next week to discuss. And if you want to get in touch, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet us at Around the Funnel. Um, and on that note, I guess we'll say our readers in and we'll be back next week. The Beatles ever do a song about traitors? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> a See you later. Bye. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be And in my hour of darkness She is standing right in front of me Speaking words of wisdom, let it be Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be Whisper words of wisdom, let it be and when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. For though they may be parted, there is still a chance.